No one ever thought that May Forster would marry John Charrington, but he thought differently, and things which John Charrington intended had a queer way of coming to pass. He asked her to marry him before he went up to Oxford. She laughed and refused him. He asked her again next time he came home. Again she laughed, tossed her dainty blonde head, and again refused. A third time he asked her, she said it was becoming a confirmed bad habit, and laughed at him more than ever. John was not the only man who wanted to marry her. She was the belle of our village, and we were all in love with her, more or less. It was a sort of fashion, like heliotrope ties or Inverness capes. Therefore we were as much annoyed as surprised when John Charrington walked into our little local club. We held it in a loft over the saddlers, I remember, and invited us all to his wedding. "'Your wedding? You don't mean it. Who's the happy pair? When's it to be?' John Charrington filled his pipe and lighted it before he replied. Then he said, "'I'm sorry to deprive you fellows of your only joke, but Miss Forster and I are to be married in September.' "'You don't mean it. He's got the mitten again, and it's turned his head.' "'No,' I said, rising. "'I see it's true. Lend me a pistol, someone, or a first-class fare to the end of nowhere. Charrington has bewitched the only pretty girl in our twenty-mile radius.' Was it mesmerism or a love potion, Jack? Neither, sir, but a gift you'll never have. Perseverance, and the best luck a man ever had in the world. There was something in his voice that silenced me, and all chaff of the other fellows failed to draw him further. The queer thing about it was that when we congratulated Miss Forster, she blushed and smiled and dimpled for all the world as though she were in love with him, and had been in love with him all the time. Upon my word, I think she had. Women are strange creatures. We were all asked to the wedding. In Brixham, everybody who was anybody knew everybody else who was anyone. My sisters were, I truly believe, more interested in the trousseau than the bride herself. And I was to be best man. The coming marriage was much canvassed at afternoon tea-tables, and our little club over the saddlers, and the question was always asked, does she care for him? I used to ask the question myself in the early days of their engagement, but after a certain evening in August I never asked it again. I was coming home from the club through the churchyard. Our church is on a time-grown hill, and the turf about it so thick and soft that one's footsteps are noiseless. I made no sound as I vaulted the low lichened wall, and threaded my way between the tombstones. It was at the same time that I heard John Charrington's voice, and saw her— May was sitting on a low, flat gravestone, her face turned toward the full splendor of the western sun. Its expression ended at once and forever any question of love for him. It was transfigured to a beauty I should not have believed possible, even to that beautiful little face. John lay at her feet, and it was his voice that broke the stillness of the golden August evening. My dear, my dear, I believe I should come back from the dead if you wanted me.